0: All right, well, good morning, everyone, here and uh, with us online today. Uh, My name is Ron Merrill. I'm one of the the deacons here at Cornerstone Bible Church, and I have the the privilege of uh, sharing God's Word with you this morning. If you could open your Bibles and turn with me to 3 John. going to be going through that book this morning, and we'll read it together here in its entirety. All all 15 verses. (laughs) 3 John. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health, as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it's a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church, you would do well to send them on their, way, on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come... I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers, and also stops those who want to, and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God, whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone, and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we thank You for the gift of Your Word, Lord, the, the truth that You have granted us so that we may know You and uh, that we may have the guidance and the direction that we need to walk in Your truth, to live according to Your will. Lord, I pray that Your Spirit would be here with us this morning, Lord, help us to, uh, to grow in our understanding of of who you are, and uh, the work that you have for us to do here, uh, while we sojourn on earth, Lord, I too lift up the the brothers and sisters that are that are associated with with our fellowship here at Cornerstone, who are under the weather, or feeling the effects of COVID, or or just uh, under the strain of of Life these days, with the circumstances surrounding our our mandates and just the the the, the trouble that has been caused by all of the, the COVID reactions and actions, Lord, I pray that you would bring peace to our hearts, Lord. That we would that we would rest in you, that we would trust in you, that you would uh, lead us and guide us, Lord. Help us to make wise decisions. Father that, we, that you would bring healing to those who are under the weather and uh, Lord, that you would provide for the needs of your of your your faithful children. We lift these things up in Jesus name. Amen. All right. We are going to uh, take a look at 3 John. If you've been around Cornerstone for uh for a while, at least for the last four years, you might remember the last time that I was up here, I preached on 2 uh, John. And uh, we, uh, we talked about that. And I would like to do a little bit of a of a recap uh, of that because it has some bearing on the, book, the, the letter here to Gaius, 3 John. Uh, it's understood that... That these letters were likely written uh, at the same time; that they were probably carried together, and uh, and so Second um, John was was intended to be read to to the church where where Gaius was, and and Third John is more of a a personal letter to Gaius to uh, to help him and to encourage him and to uh, testify to the uh, to the the validity of. Of demetrius, who was who was carrying the letter. Um, the review for second John, here we go. <laughs> uh, right the the Second John and third John both start off uh, and and he identifies himself as the elder. Right, uh, and he doesn't identify himself in any other particular way, but we um, understand from the context of the letters uh, that that John is the most, most likely the author. They are written in the latter, latter half of the first century uh, where John was likely the, the last living apostle. And so it would be fitting for him to refer to himself as the elder. He was writing from the area around Ephesus and he was fighting a particular heresy in the church, uh, those days, the the heresy was called Docetism, right? And Docetism is the um, the idea, uh, the wrong idea, that Jesus did not have a physical body. Uh, and the problem with that is that if Jesus didn't have a physical body, then he couldn't actually suffer for our sins, right? And that's uh, that's important this idea, this heresy of docetism laid the foundation for a later heresy called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism is the idea that um, all physical matter is bad or evil and um, the only way, or the only thing that's good is spiritual and non-tangible things. And that is... uh, Th- that is a wrong idea as well. We know that God uh, made the world and everything in it, and that includes the, the physical matter that the, the world is, is made up of, and He declared that it was um, good indeed. And that's not to say that, that it hasn't been corrupted because of sin, that's a fact, right? But the idea of the separation of spiritual and physical. Is is a false is a false idea, right? And it lends us to to think that if we avoid the physical, then we are somehow you know more spiritual or more uh, um, acceptable to God in some way, right? And uh, Paul tells us that uh, you know setting up those kind of rules for ourselves where we you know do not taste or do not touch or do not handle. Uh, those things really don't uh, help us against the indulgences of the flesh, right? And we, we don't have separate lives. We don't have a, a spiritual life and a physical life, right? It's all together. Our faith uh, should affect every part of, of our life. Right? Also in the uh, the. Letter Second John, he provides uh, a warning in that letter against uh, providing hospitality to, uh, to to heretics, to people who are in this camp uh, where they're proclaiming this uh, this docetist idea, and. Uh, wanted to remind you that 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 warning against hospitality where he says do not you know do not um, let them into your home is not like an endorsement of the idea to to never allow like say a Mormon who comes to your door in your house uh, it's more uh, along the lines of not providing a base of operations for someone who is gonna spread that heresy right so if the if, a, if someone comes and knocks on your door, a Mormon or a Jehovah's witness, you, ha- you can, with a clear conscience, uh, invite them in and give them a, a glass of water and, and share the truth with them. All right. And so that's the, kind of the recap of Second John and setting the stage for this letter that, that he writes to Gaius in, in Third John. Verses 1 and 2 read uh, the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, and that you may be in good health, as it goes well with your soul. So, Gaius is a name that is mentioned four other times in the New Testament. uh, Twice in Acts, once in Romans, and once in 1 Corinthians. Uh, But it's not likely this same Gaius uh, that's addressed in this letter all that we know about this particular person named Gaius, which was a, a common name, uh, is contained in this letter here. Right And John says that he loves him in truth and uh, he, he's praying that all may go well with him. right. So it's likely that that as Gaius is, is helping and ministering to the to the different missionaries that are coming in. John is uh, wanting Gaius to, to be uh, prosperous and successful and healthy so that he can continue this work and this ministry of supporting and helping uh, these evangelists to the Gentiles uh, come in and do their work of sharing the Gospel among the Gentiles. Uh, it is... It is not actually a, a basis for claiming a right to prosperity. I don't know if some of you may have heard that um, come out. Uh, but it's, uh, th- that is not what is going on here as, as John prays that uh, all may go well with you and that you may be in good health. Right? Those things are, are asked for uh, uh, and not uh, a guarantee from God but ask for that, that they may be able to serve and to, to work uh, the good works that God has for them to do. Right. Verse 3 reads, For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. And as I read this, I was kind of struck by the phrase, your truth. Uh, We hear that today, and and it evokes kind of an an interesting reaction, right? Well, that's your truth, this is my truth, this idea that we could possibly define truth uh, in our own minds, and in a way that doesn't actually correspond to reality, right? (laughs) So, uh, when I saw that, that's what came to my mind. Of course, that's not what John is talking about here in this Gospel, when he says, your truth, he means uh, the, the works or the life that Gaius is living, right? So, the truth as reflected or lived out in the life of Gaius. And that is confirmed by the testimony of the brothers that Gaius was walking in truth. Verse 4 says that, John says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. Right? Where our joy is, uh, that's where our treasure is. Right? In Matthew six twenty one, Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, we see where John's heart is in this verse, right? That it gives him such joy that his children are walking in truth. And that's emphasized also in, in the context of this struggle that he is in against the heresy of docetism. right? It would cause him to have great joy to see that his children uh, are, are not falling victim to that deception, or believing that lie. So, He has joy in the fact that His children are walking in truth. Right? Docetism, the idea that, that Jesus didn't have a physical body and therefore he, he couldn't have suffered on the cross. And the problem with that is that, that our sin is real. Right? The, the way that we fall short, that is a real thing. And God's wrath uh, is real. And uh, he, His justice is real. And when we sin, we come underneath the judgment of a righteous, holy God who is perfect in His justice, and He is bound to punish sin. He can't just uh, wink at sin or, or hand wave over it. Uh, it needs to be dealt with. And that is one of the things that makes Christianity a unique faith. The fact that, uh, that it provides a way for God to be both perfectly just and perfectly merciful. And that way, the way... Is Jesus Christ. And it and it happened because Jesus Christ was born uh, of a virgin, lived a perfect, sinless life on this earth, fulfilled the law that God gave perfectly, every aspect and element of it, right? And then died a sinner's death on the cross, taking that wrath, that real wrath, upon his real body to the point of death. And he he died a death on that cross in our place, in the place of sinners, so that we can be reconciled to God. Right? And every one of us is a a sinner. We all fall short and fail to live up to the expectations that uh, that God has for us, that those perfect expectations, right? We sin every day in thought, in word, and in deed from the, the littlest sins to the, to the biggest sins, even, uh, even disrespecting or disobeying parents is enough of a sin to condemn us to hell. We don't think much about that, but, but it's, in, it's in the Ten Commandments, and God provided it for us. And thankfully, He has provided a way for us to be forgiven in Jesus Christ. And we simply need to acknowledge our sin before Him, to repent of that, to to agree with God that our sin is sin, to repent, to, to turn away from that sin, and to place our trust in this Jesus who was crucified in our place. And God says that if we do that, then we will be saved. And Jesus is the only way to do that. He's the only one who lived the perfect life that, that we could not live. He is the only one who has satisfied uh, the, the, the law and the, the wrath of God. And so there's no way to God but through, through Christ. And He reminds us of that in John 14, 6 when He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. All right, returning to Third John here in verse 5. It says, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are. All right, we can infer here that Gaius was helping fellow believers, um, and that he's being encouraged by John to, to keep up the good work. You know, it's a good thing that you're doing this. Don't lose heart. Uh, you know, uh, we we need you to to continue to support us here. In verse six, these brothers, uh, talking of these brothers who testified to your love before the church, you would do you will do well to send them on their way in a. Uh, to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. All right. So these uh, people that uh, that Gaius was helping have given a report back to uh, uh, to John, and uh, that's how John is aware of of the good work that Gaius is doing. I want us to talk for a minute here about. Um, well, let, let's go ahead and, and and read on through verse eight. All right, for they have gone out for the sake of the name. Again, these missionaries accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. All right, I'll take this passage as a whole, and um, just be reminded here that um, that not everyone is called. To scour the jungles of South America or evangelize the last tribe in Papua New Guinea. Um, but we can participate in the spreading of the gospel by providing our financial support uh, to those people and by praying uh, for the for the people who are called to do that. I like the way that, that Paul Washer puts it when he says, uh, you either go down into the well, or you hold the rope for those who go down. All right, so there's no there's no third option, right? The the Great Commission says, "Go and make disciples of all nations" in Matthew twenty-eight verse nineteen. Right, Ephesians four eleven. Take a look at it, Ephesians four eleven here. And we've got another verse in Ephesians. All right. Ephesians four eleven says in. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. And this is just a list of, of gifts that, that, he, that he has given um, when, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. Right? And uh, again in, in chapter 4 verses 15 and 16 uh, say, Rather speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow, so that it builds itself up in love. Right. So we're talking about the, the different parts of the body, and the members of the body, the believers uh, in the, the universal church, working their, working out their gifts, working out their salvation, right to the effect of growing in Christ's likeness. And in verse 11 we see that some of those gifts are preaching and teaching and evangelism. Not everyone is called in those areas. Some of us are called to hold the rope. And I would say that we at Cornerstone are committed to doing our part uh, to hold the rope. And we do that by supporting the work of missions... um, Spreading the gospel from Bakersfield to, to Bangladesh, uh, we've had pe- people, you know, working and serving in just across the Sierras here and uh, mission trips in India. Um, and to that end, uh, just as kind of a administrative note for you here, and and maybe to help to help you think through your uh, part or your participation in this. At, at Cornerstone Bible Church, we're committed to giving a portion of, of the gifts that we receive uh, to that work, right? And we've decided or committed uh, to 10%. So 10% of the, of the gifts that come into Cornerstone uh, over the course of a year are then uh, given out to this end of supporting um, uh, gospel gospel work and and meeting local needs here in the body, right? So we picked ten percent as an example. Uh, we see it we see it in the Old Testament, and uh, we felt like it was a good goal uh, for each of us to consider to strive toward. So if you are Thinking about your giving, and you think about that 10% number, and that makes you really anxious or nervous, um, then you know consider thinking about that and praying about uh, your heart towards the resources that God has given you. Not that uh, we should be giving under compulsion, right? In fact, we're commanded not to do that in 2 Corinthians 9:7. Right, that says that each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Right? So, that's, that's the rule that needs to guide your, your giving. Right? It needs to be a, a joyful giving, but that doesn't mean that it shouldn't cost you anything or, or maybe uh, cause you to make some different choices. And we can honor God different ways with our resources, giving, right. God also tells us that we uh, that we need to be faithful to pay our debts too, right. So if that's where you are, then you know part of your faithful use of God's resources is to take to take care of debt, um, you know. And hopefully we can all get to the place where we have uh, put that away and we're free to to be better givers. So, just as a, a reminder, so that's where, where we're committed here at Cornerstone. And as you give your gifts here, you participate in that, that gospel outreach by holding the rope for the missionaries that we support. And, and if you have more questions about our missionaries, uh, we have a little setup on the back wall by the sound booth with a map of where folks are. And you can see uh, some of the, the, the lives that we have invested in and where they're working in the world to to make Christ known. All right, back to Third John. In verse nine. Now this is a section where uh, Diotrephes is is called out by John. And he says, I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So, if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us, and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers, and also stops those who want to, and puts them out of the church." Right. The charges against Diotrephes, uh, I see five of them here. Um, He he's self-centered. He puts himself first. He doesn't acknowledge John's authority. Um, He's talking nonsense or foolish talk against them. Uh, He refuses to welcome the brothers. Uh, He stops those who want to, and then I guess the sixth one he puts them he puts them out of the church. So apparently Diotrephes is a person with some degree of authority in the local church there where Gaius is, and he's able to do that. It's interesting to note here that John does not um, call uh, Diotrephes out for uh, for for doctrine or for doctrinal issues, right? So, it's not it's not clear whether uh, he considers Diotrephes to be a, a brother who is kind of wrong-headed in some of his approach. Maybe he... Uh, just said, you know, I'm not going to let anybody in, right? With these um, Gnostics roaming around, we're just going to stop the bus, and John's going to come in and and help train him and, and bring him bring him on board. Or if he's, um, you know, not a believer and working against the the church uh, because of that, so we can't we can't read both. We can't read all that deeply into this, but we do know that what he is doing is not good. And then at the end of that section, he, he tells Gaius, uh, Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Right. Whoever does good is from God, and whoever does evil has not seen God. Right. So we could infer that Diotrephes may, may be in that camp of those who have not seen God because what he is doing has been called out uh, as examples of evil that Gaius not, ought not to be imitating. Um, but we are called here along with Gaius to imitate what is good. Right? And how do we know what is good? We know what is good because the Bible tells us what that is. 1 right. Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, Paul says, I urge you then to be imitators of me. Um, and then he clarifies again in 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. He says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Right. So, as we imitate what is good, our, our thought ought to be, I need to be imitating Christ, and I need to be imitating those who are uh, imitating Christ. So we can see examples of Christ's likeness among us, and and take those things on board, and and imitate those things. Right? Ephesians five one also exhorts us and encourages us. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And isn't that true when? Uh, when a child uh, looks up to somebody, they copy what they're doing, right? I remember I used to, to try to copy my dad all the time when, when he would do stuff, the way that he walked, the way that he moved, the way that he talked. If he would say something, I would say it. And uh, one time we were walking through the grocery store, and he is just kind of talking, and he says, Owa, Tagu, Siam. And so I'm saying that as I'm going through the grocery store. And then he turns around and says, hey, say that a little faster. And I said, oh, what a goose I am. (laughs) Like, oh, man, he got me. But the point is that uh, the innocence that I was uh, uh, copying my dad with and pursuing my dad with is the same uh, innocence that we ought to be uh, looking to to imitate Christ with. And he's not going to turn around and and call us a goose, right? Um, he has he has good he has good in store for us. All right. One other point on discerning what is uh, what is good and, and what is not good. John, you know, John identifies this here uh, for us uh, as a help in discernment. You know, whoever does good is from God, and whoever does evil has not seen God. We know that um, that Jesus Christ is our example of good, right? We know that He is truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Right? And we know that God's Word is truth. John 17, 17 where He says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your Word is truth. Right? So Christ is our example. And the Word of God is, is how, we, how Christ is revealed to us. So, as we seek to imitate what is good, we need to be engaged in the reading of God's Word. Verse 12 in Third John moves on to a commendation of Demetrius. and reads, Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. Right. Again, here's this use of the, the truth, right? Uh, and from the truth itself. Again, that is how uh, De- Demetrius is working out his faith, the, 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 the works that are the result or the fruit of his faith in Christ. Right. And so, so Gaius, Demetrius is uh, commended to, to Gaius here as someone he can trust to bring into his home, and to provide that base of operations for the spread of the true gospel among the Gentiles, right? We want to avoid. They wanted to avoid bringing in any uh, any uh, Docetists or any Gnostics, and bring in people who are going to be of the truth and sharing the truth as we should be. People who are of the truth and sharing the truth and participating in the sharing of truth by the giving of our our time, and prayer, and the resources that God has blessed us with. In closing, John, like in Second uh, John, says that he has much to say, but he would rather do it in, in person, face to face, and uh, in God's providence, this is the extent of the communication that we have here in in third John, and he closes uh, with, the, with a standard greeting where he hopes to see them soon and uh, gives them his peace. Peace be to you in verse 15. Friends greet you, and greet the friends each by name. Right? Noting the, the personal nature of, of John's ministry, I'm sure there were too many to list there, and uh, he asked that they would be greeted That is the word for us here today at Cornerstone. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the example that we have in Christ. Thank you that He is indeed good. Lord, you have called us to to be imitators of Christ. Lord, I pray that you would help us to do that. Lord, I pray that you would help us to to be open-handed with the, the gifts that you have given us, father that we would have willing hearts ready to share the good news of your gospel uh, the fact that we are sinners but condemned by God but there is hope in Christ we have we have a, a redeemer we we have been justified if we if we believe and we trust in Jesus or we uh Thank you for the time, the time here, the worship this morning, the the, the reminder of your your great, uh, your great and awesome goodness that has been poured out on us through your Son. Lord, we uh, we lift these things up in Jesus' name. Amen.